Brooker, there was some talk about what trash talk crosses the line and what doesn't. Clay Thompson said, I guess he just got his feelings hurt. You talked about being a prideful guy and that some comments Draymond made. Would you discuss that whole issue of what's fair and not fair on the court? What happened? What Clay said? Yeah, and what crosses the line? No, I'm not. What did you say Clay said? Clay said, I guess he just got his feelings hurt. <laughs> goodness um, I believe the transcript will support that <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not gonna comment on, on what Clay said because I know where it can go from this sit-in um, <laughs> it's so hard to take the high road I've been doing it for 13 years it's so hard to continue to do it and I'm gonna do it again um, at the end of the day we got to go we got to show up and, and play better tomorrow night um, and if we don't, then they're gonna they're gonna be back-to-back uh, -back champions, and um, you know, and that's it. But uh, I'm taking the high road again. So that's fresh off the game for a loss to the Golden State Warriors. Clay Thompson had some choice words that LeBron obviously didn't didn't take too well. So he's gonna take the high road. But will he take the high road tonight in Game Five? And can the Cavs come through and? Make the series 3-2 or they be going home. Right now I'm your host, Marcus, and we also have... What's going on? It's your boy Dante coming live from the Man Cave, as usual. Yeah, and this is, uh, yeah, and this is AC. And this yeah, kind of bland, but hey, straightforward. This <laughs> is the Man News Podcast, episode two. Hopefully a much better episode. Much better audio. Yeah. But hey, like you said, growing pains. Right. You can't can't be mad at that. Man, don't, don't throw salt on the uh, producer. You know, he did his best for, on that one. <laughs> hey, 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 I'm throwing salt at the producer. I'm throwing shade at the producer. I'm throwing the kitchen sink at the producer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Gonna talk about Go ahead, Marcus. All right. So let's get uh, just a. Uh, uh, thoughts on that on that little sound by uh, Clay saying LeBron is soft or sensitive is it is it is he accurate we know AC thoughts you know he got a right to say it based on last year but is it is he accurate in saying that is he accurate in saying that LeBron is soft Tay do you want to start with this one or you want me to go first hey you on the floor it's you you go first so, all right, I'm a native Clevelander. I'm a Cleveland fan for all of my life. But I have to be 100% this one and just go ahead and say that we all know that LeBron James has been a superstar in this league for a long time. And as a, as a spectator, we all know that there's that feeling about superstar treatment. And LeBron or Kobe or whatever superstar happens to be there decides to throw a fit about something, people hear it. You know, it, it just comes with the, with, with the podium that they have. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but to call LeBron soft, I don't think he's necessarily soft. No, not at all. You know, I, but I do think when it comes to this series, the before when we didn't have audio going, and it was just a raw and uncut conversation. 
you know, about that mental edge. You know, basically, Clay Thompson is put LeBron James in the situation. You're the superstar, right? So play like it. He's trying. He he's basically standing now. It's not Magnus' effort, and because he's complaining about everything. The get the the big thing to me is how's LeBron going to respond to it. Well, one thing I can say about the play calling LeBron soft. Do I think LeBron soft? No. Do I think he's going to the whole getting hammered? Yes. Third of all, this is the same guy Clay Thompson said in Game Three that Timo said a legal pick on him. He started crying to about. You said legal screen. If you look at the way the way he set the screen, it was a straight screen. Arms tucked in. We're not we're not talking about Andrew Bogey going with the chicken wing and stuff <laughs> like that. But to call LeBron James soft, no. Are the Warriors soft? Yes. Uh do they take the only reason why people say the Warriors are so good, because they take a lot of threes. I mean, yes, if you if, if you're a superstar and shooting 17 threes a game, yes, he's gonna make nine. If Clay come right behind him and shoot 15, yes, he's going to make eight. But to call LeBron James soft, I don't think LeBron James soft. When you call somebody soft, when he goes to the hole and he got literally four yellow jerseys on him and still can't get the call, I don't believe he's soft. He's he's nowhere close to soft. It's like, I'll, it's back what you say, AC. Yeah, it's either put up or shut up. But when you get everything to go your way, and like, I, you know, basketball is about the flow of the game. Who, the, the referees tend to play who's playing at that level. If the Cavaliers not playing at a high level, they're not going to get them calls. The Warriors are playing at a high level. They're getting calls. The Warriors are playing at 110% right now. The Cavaliers playing at a measly 87. So when you play a half game of LeBron James taking quarters off, he's not doing what he's supposed to. But to call him soft, I would never call LeBron soft. Okay, so tell you, I just want to piggyback off of something that you said right now. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the style of play in terms of LeBron James and the Cavaliers not getting necessarily the calls. Like you said, the referees are going are going to call a game at the pace that they see the game being played. That being said, the way that Golden State's offense flows, the refs are looking for something totally different than they are when they're looking at the Cavaliers' offense. Where we're doing a lot of iso ball, Golden State doesn't have to force anything. Cleveland clearly has to force things because they have to go into ISO situations. Now that they go into ISO situations, you know exactly what's going to happen. Either LeBron James or Kyrie Irving or somebody's going to try and initiate contact, which at that point in time, you're putting all the pressure on the referee to say, hey, he bumped into me. Aren't you going to call something? And the refs aren't going to call it because they're clearly seeing another team operating on the other side of the court doing things the way they don't have to force it. The refs should not have to feel like they need to bail you out just because you have to go one on four. Do they gotta bail you out when you're the unanimous MVP and you skating around the floor? Is there a bail out for that? I wanna know. <laughs> I wanna know. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're the unanimous MVP, you should never have games you score in 17, 10, 11. You know what I'm saying? We can go back. You do that as MVP. Game one, 18 points. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry about that. Game one, 11 points, like I said. Game two, 18 points. Game three, 19 points. Game four, he, he, game four, he lit it up. 
it's about time that he showed up to the party. But they always say LeBron James doesn't show up. If you look at LeBron James' statues in night in and night out, this guy been putting up MVP numbers since day one, and all the way to now. Towards, like, towards his end of his career, he's still doing the same thing every year. If it was up to me and everybody else out there, LeBron James could be MVP for the last six straight years. They don't want to do that. I don't see how Steph Curry is, is the MVP. The only thing with Steph Curry is just points. Assists still the same. Steals are the same. Everything is still the same. Just field goal percentage went up and three-point shots went up. What did he do? He made 402 threes. They said it's an all-time, all-time record. Yeah, let's look at the bad at that. He missed 484 threes. Is ESPN talking about that? Is sports, is, all, is any of them guys, HBO talking about that? No, they all talk about how many threes he made in NBA history, but he still missed a, a staggering 484 threes, the most by any player in NBA history. But they're not going to tell you that. They're going to say the good, but they don't want you to know the bad. That's almost 50% today. <laughs> that's, that's almost 50 That's, that's too. It, it's, it outweighs. All right. <laughs> it all way if you're gonna make 414 and you're gonna miss 484 eh, we can live with that because you're still getting one point extra for every three you make right <laughs> right and that that's exactly what i was going to say like i think I, I think the way you have to look at it just at the sheer volume of of how he shoots he's going to also be up there in terms of misses right he takes a lot of game we all know that three-pointers statistically have been, you know, the, the lowest percentage shot that you can take in, in relative comparison from, you know, layup is probably the highest percentage and three-pointer is probably the lowest percentage. That's conventional basketball wisdom. You know, that's the way everybody else thought. But when you're a three-point shooter and you can shoot it at 44%, 45%, that might as well jump shot to that player at that point in time. So it's not necessarily a low percentage shot anymore. And that added, you know, one point on top of it. Like I said, you know, traditional basketball minds are used to playing, okay, well, you hit one, I have to fire back, right? We go one for one, which means two points for two points. You can't do that against the Warriors because you're going two points for three points. That's how they eradicate leads, you know, and that's how they – uh, that's how they eradicate deficits, and that's how they balloon their leads. So I, I hear you on that, Dante, saying, you know, he also missed, you know, however many threes he's missed. But I think, again, that might as well just be the volume shooter effect. You know, Carmelo, Kobe Bryant, all those scorers are going to have that, whether or not it's a two-point shot or a three-point shot. True, true, true. So I agree. will he make – what did he – how many – Three is he making game four? Game four? Oh my god. Game four. He made he made seven out of thirteen. Is he gonna make Clay fall up behind four four to nine? Tonight? Mm. Uh I say tonight Clay not tonight. I would say Clay hit six. I'ma say step hit about seven again. I say I keep step between between five and seven. Will it be enough? Will it be enough for them to throw the confetti out, pop the champagne, and say the Cavs is not on our level, or losing Draymond, which we haven't even talked about? Is that? Uh, I definitely don't want to hear this sound. <laughs> I don't want to hear that sound. Uh, it's not going to be enough because the gasoline of their car is gone. He's suspended. So right now, the car is at home sitting 
with boots on his front tire. I don't see them winning the championship tonight. I think the Cavaliers are forced a game six, trying to force to go back home in Cleveland. I want the Cavaliers really force a game seven. So they can just teams just lay it all out there on the floor. Lay it out there on the floor. Uh, that's what I think the league is gonna try to do. That's why I see it. Draymond Green suspension. Uh, I'm sorry that it happened that way, but you got to keep your hands and feet to yourself. They taught you that in kindergarten. <laughs> true, true, true enough. Yeah, what is it, man? He got a, a affection for man parts. Like that's like the third time he hit somebody down there. Oh, I'm starting. Dude, to- look at <laughs> look at the way he flails. <laughs> like, okay, so certain players sell calls, right? Draymond Green is just one of those players. You know, like I was saying in the last pot, Dennis Rodman used to do that all the time. You know, when when they fall, sometimes you might see a little bit of leg action. You know, it might trip a player up, something like that. But Draymond Green, when he flails, I mean, he's he's throwing towards the groin. Like, it, it, it might as well be a high kick. <laughs> like, like it, 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 that's ridiculous. And that, I think that's one of the thing, things that the, league's had, that the league had to acknowledge. And probably the reason that he ended up having that suspension, even though you know that last fragrant, that 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 that, that last flagrant, is kind of questionable by by some people. But you know, again, I think that has more to do with his history, especially within this postseason, than anything else. Um, but here's something I have for y'all, because I'm not sure if you guys heard this or not, but. What about those rumors about Steph Curry possibly need, needing knee and shoulder surgery? Oh, man. All of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden he needs a knee, knee surgery. Now his ankle's still hurt. His shoulder's still hurt. But we call him LeBron James. So how many times that we witnessed since LeBron James been in the NBA that he, that he sprained his ankle so bad he tied them shoes up so tight and still come out there and deliver. Steph had to have his grandmother come in to make sure he was okay. He had to get that TLC from his grandma, his mom, his mother. Definition of soft. I'm not saying nothing else until we talked about it in that subject. The guy is soft. Here, nobody saying, I'm living here in Charlotte. When I'm hearing from people that in Charlotte, Steph Curry ankle's been bad since middle school. He didn't got on WNBA ankle braces. I'm done. Oh no! <laughs> hey. Wow! <laughs> wow! Like, okay, so I agree with you because we all know Stephen Curry has had ankle injuries since his first couple of years in the league. As a matter of fact, that was one of the things that fueled the rumors behind the Warriors feeling like they need to choose him or Monte Ellis. Was because his first couple of years in the league, they didn't know if Steph was ever going to be able to play an entire season. Uh, because of those ankles, you know he he's, he's made a good, <laughs> you know he's done a great job of trying to stay healthy, but I don't know that that knee sprain. When he slid, that looked like that was worse than a knee sprain. Just being completely honest. Now that shoulder, I don't know very much about that one because I didn't necessarily see where that happened. I know um when we when he played us in the finals last season, I know he was dealing with something with his shooting arm. That was one of the reasons that he ended up wearing that sleeve. And remember, basketball players being superstitious. You know, he <laughs> they said his bad shooting was because of that shooting sleeve that he was wearing. And immediately, he took it off the next night and caught fire again. 
So, what, so what's gonna be the excuse for if to, if they lose tonight? What what injury is Steph Curry gonna have? Is it gonna be the shoulder? Is it gonna be the ankle? Or J.R. Smith breath? What? It's gonna be them uh, white hot Steph Curry that he's gonna shoot straight fire. <laughs> That's gonna be the, oh, the injury. I thought it was because Draymond Green couldn't bring Dunkin' Donuts to the game. Again. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the one. I don't know. Draymond Green. Yeah, I know they can pretty sad that he's not there, but it might just be because I'm just growing up in Flint, Michigan. I mean, Saginaw, Michigan, excuse me, of drinking that Detroit water. It might be something else. He's like, to, he got something oh, kicking people in oh. balls. Oh, no. So. Other than that, I don't care too much about Draymond Green. He always doing something to get under your skin. He think he's the new age Dennis Rodman. He's not the new Dennis Rodman. He don't play like Dennis Rodman. Uh, I don't care too much about the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> All of a sudden, everybody Warriors fans. It's, it's just it's, it's it's unbelievable how everybody just jumps ship like that. Tell us you how you really feel, Tay. <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that Tay's rant is over. <laughs> so, I mean, let's be honest. We see that with every team. You know, any team that has any little bit of success, all of a sudden everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon. When the Cavaliers were running through the East and LeBron James was the beast that he was, dunking all over Kevin Garnett in Boston, making making people into posters, Damon Jones. Um, you know, it, it was just one of those things where all of a sudden everybody was Cleveland fans. You know, um, when the Lakers were doing their thing, Lakers fans started coming out of woodwork. Everybody loved Kobe. Everybody and their mama loved Kobe. I think that just kind of comes with the sport. Of course, you're gonna, always going to have bandwagon casual fans who are going to jump on the next hottest thing, next hottest player, whoever that might be. And it just so happens to be Golden State. Um, Draymond Green, no, he's not the new age Dennis Rodman. Um, but Draymond Green is quite honestly a player that only comes around every couple, you know, once a generation, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, you don't have in basketball history very many people who could be that sort of a hybrid player where he could play all five positions. I mean, you have your 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 Oscar Robertsons, you have your Matthew Johnsons, you have your LeBron James. Let's give Draymond some credit. For being six seven being able to play the power forward position the way that he does, his traditional his traditional position would have been a small forward. Now, I think when they first brought him in, they moved him to the fourth, started playing that small ball. He's able to exploit it because he also plays like a point forward. He can create in ways that a lot of people can't. So he immediately changes an offense. The difference between... Draymond Green and the rest of those other players is they were superstars. Draymond Green is literally a, a utility player. I mean, he he's he's not the guy, and he doesn't have to be the guy to be able to change and mold a defense, to be able to change and mold an offense. The guy's just effective, regardless of whatever we could say about him flailing and you know being cocky or whatever. As a basketball player, I love to see that out of, out of people. You know, that's one of those things where you hate that guy when he's on the opposing team, but you love that guy when he's on your team, you know? And, I mean, again, like I said, Draymond Green, I, I don't think gets enough credit. One of the things that you said, Tay, is really important. 
he is the thing that keeps that car going. So it'll be funny to see how the Warriors respond tonight, whether or not they're riding that emotional roller coaster and they're so upset that he's gone out of game five that they're trying to win this one for Draymond. You know, that that could happen or it could be one of those things where he he's not there to give them that extra push and you just see him die out at some point in time and we can take advantage of that. Draymond is so effective. He, they literally run their offense through him in the half court especially. And if he's not there to make the high IQ basketball decisions, like I said, hitting Clay off the curl, hitting uh, Steph off a of backdoor, and how he plays defense, do they have anybody they can just put in for him to make up for it to the point where they still win over it? Iggy. No. Iggy. Look, Iggy is that point. Iggy is that utility player who can also create an off. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if what if the lineup that you see tonight is going to be Bogut, Barnes, Iguodala, Thompson, and Clay. Only because you don't have to make you don't have to make a drastic change to the offense. Um, Iggy can kind of be that. Play. They already run Iggy at the small ball four, so why wouldn't they just continue? I mean, that's a perfect continuation right there. You might lose a little bit as far as rim protection. Yeah, I don't think. But I mean, the way the way Eagle Dollar plays post defense, as far as that, that spike, where he kind of like baits him a little bit, allows him to, you know, he, he drops back and maybe quarter of an inch just the Only thing I can see they could put Andre Eagle in. Sort of manage that, like you said, to that spot when he gets tired. He do get winded faster than, than Draymond. That's one thing I can say. Draymond, like I said, it, it all go back to Draymond. Draymond is the catalyst. Like he's definitely the catalyst. But like what you said, AC Andre Iguodala. If you look at if you look at some of the things he'd be doing, yes, he'd be on the bench, averaging about ten or twelve points per game in this series. But the little things that he do, he still rebounds. He still gets you assists. He still gets you steals. He gets you a block or two. Now, with Draymond to line up, you losing uh, that's a plus 25 off the floor. Remember, Andre Iguodala on the floor is only a plus 12. That's still not bad because it's still in the plus in the plus range. I'll take a plus over a minus any day. Um, you might, we're going to see more of a Sean Livingston. I like Ian Clark a lot. You might see more Ian Clark tonight. Uh, maybe some more Mo Space. On the pins, how good of a start the Warriors get off to. Because you already know, once they get to the hot start, everything's trickled down from the starters straight to the best players. Will we see more James McAdoo? Because that guy looked lost out there the other night. He was asking him, where can he go on the floor? He was like, well, do I go here? Do I go here? Steve Carr's like, come on over here. He had a point that Sean Livingston told him, hey, go here. He's not ready for that moment. And what I mean by that, he's not ready for that moment. It all go back to Steve Curry. He tried to do his rotation like the Chicago Bulls. One thing I can say about Phil Jackson, them guys, actually, guys who never got no playing time actually played in first-round series of the playoffs. Them guys never touched the floor until now, until the last series. So when you put him out there, he don't know what he's, what's going on. I thought LeBron James was going to exploit him a couple of times when he had the ball on the block, just like Steph Curry. He kept passing out. So, like you said, it depends what type of 
rotation that Kerr come up with and and what they would do. Well, Andre Iguodala is still last year's MVP. We see what he did last year when he was on LeBron. He'll probably be Finals MVP two years running. I don't know. If can you give it to Steph from one game? Unless he do real something spectacular tonight. No, my my MVP honestly, it's honestly it might be Sean Livingston. It's between Sean Livingston and Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson been scorchless in the third quarter, and Sean Livingston been killing our been killing our guards, man. So I'm looking at more of a Sean Livingston, but but I, Sean Livingston, I'm going with Sean Livingston as the Finals MVP. That's my choice. Wow. I mean, okay, so last year in the finals was the first time in a long time. I don't I don't have like the stats in front of me or anything that you know, literally a, a six man who got inserted into the rotation final couple of games of the series became the finals MVP. Yeah, I don't know how many times that's happened in basketball history. And to think that the finals MVP is going to go to a role player coming off the bench. I think that's pie in the sky um, because conventional wisdom and basketball heads are, are still going to look at the, the three first. You know, they're going to look at Curry, which no, I don't think Curry ends up getting MVP. Um, they're going to look at Clay, which I say Clay has a very good shot. Depending on how the Warriors look in game five without Draymond Green, I think ups his chances of a possible MVP. Um, and, and, and again, you always get a chance to look at Iggy again. So, but I don't know why we're having this conversation because Cavs haven't lost yet. I don't anticipate us losing tonight. I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying to be one of those Believe Land fans. All in. <laughs> All say, in. Take game five. I'm with that. But... And say the Cavaliers, say the Cavaliers come back and win the next three. Who would be your Finals MVP for the Cavaliers? You guys go first, and I tell you mine's next. I'm giving it to Uncle Drew. I, I gotta give it to him. I gotta give it to Uncle Drew. LeBron, I've just been waiting for him to go. Heat, Boston, Game Four, or was it Game Five on the road? He's staring at everybody down on that high block. And just dominating. He hasn't done that yet. Kyrie's been coming through consistently. Is he averaging like 27, 28 a game? Mm-hmm. He just I think his bad, the, the bad game he had was um was game was game two, and he had ten points. But other than that, 30, 30 in a blowout win in game three. Game one he had twenty six. Game four he had thirty four. So right now he's looking like the Finals MVP. But I'm gonna piggyback some back on Kyrie. We won Game Three. That dude had what eight assists. Every time Kyrie get eight assists in the playoffs, we win. Now listen to this. Game One, Kyrie had 26 points, four assists, loss. Game Two, 10 points, three assists, loss. Uh, game Three, Game Three. Like I said, Game Three was a win. 30 points, eight assists, win. Game, game four, 34 points, four assists, loss. So anytime Kyrie get more than eight assists, we normally win because that freeze, the ball moves around, he get more eight assists. We started dribbling the ball, dribbling the shot clock down. 
the defense is already stuck. They know what Kyrie's going to do. Once he gets that dribble mode, he's not kicking it out. You know he's going to shoot. Once he makes his one, two move, then he passes the ball around, everybody's touching the ball, you make your defense move. You you know, Marcus, you all know we play basketball. The coach always say move the ball around so everybody can get a touch. When you, once you move that ball around, the defense will collapse. You will find your guy going to the back door for an easy bucket or a three-point shot, whatever it may be. Right, and that, was, that goes back to something that I said last part. One of the things that makes Golden State so dangerous and what makes us predictable. Unfortunately, like I said, with LeBron and Kyrie being, you know, top top four in the league alongside Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, all isolation plays. I mean, we drain nine seconds off the clock just trying to set up something to them. You know, and, and, and that's that doesn't put anybody in a good position. I mean, you, you look at game four, one of the things that really stuck out to me, you know, every game that we've lost, not only in this final series, within the postseason, has been because of the lack of ball movement. Because we have so many shooters who get all of their shots off of assisted threes. So when we don't have our ball movement, our shooters aren't doing anything. K.R. Smith went without a field goal for, I think, I think he was out there 43 minutes, and, he, and I think he went without a field goal for like 24. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that and you know what sort of player what sort of player J.R. Smith is and what he can do for a team's offense. Right. With somebody like LeBron James, with somebody like Kyrie Irving, we have to get that ball movement moving. And, and one of the things that I did not see out of the Cavaliers last game in game four was ball movement. We played a lot of hero ball once we started to go down. And that's what happens to the Cavaliers. No, we have to keep pace with them. And the minute that lead starts to dwindle, the minute they get like a three-point lead, Kyrie or LeBron or Kevin Love, somebody feels like they need to be the person to make it happen. And we go into that isolation play. And what happened? We were throwing up bad shots at the top of the key wasn't any ball movement. It was one shot of rebound and transition for Golden State. We're playing right into their hands when we do that sort of ball. You know, and and again, that goes back again to something that I said in the last pod. It, it comes down to trust to me. It comes down to trust to me. Like, you, you have to be able to trust the other four people that you're on the court with. You know Kyrie is going to get you a bucket. You know LeBron is going to do something. But... The other three players, I think Kyrie and LeBron both look around and they say, eh, I don't really know. So, of course, they're going to go out there and they're going to try and force something and we're going to put up bad shots when the Golden State Warriors are doing the exact opposite. The worst part about it is when we go to reset our offense, we always have to go to the top of the key for a reset. Golden State does not need to go to the top of the key to reset their offense. They can reset their offense from the wing and run at the same time. So, again, that's why they call it the flow offense. Like I said, there's at least three actions coming at you, and if they ever need to restart, they can restart from multiple, players, from multiple places on the court. Like, they just have those sort of players, and they have that sort of trust in each other that they know that somebody's going to make something happen, and they don't need Steph or Clay to do it. You know, as long as they move the ball, there's going to be something there, and all they have to do is use the 24 seconds the best way that they can to make sure that they find it. Because they're getting good shots. We are not getting good shots. And the worst part about it, again, going back to something that I said in the previous spot, we had to dominate the only category that we knew that we could dominate them in, which was the rebounds. That was something that we did not do. Anderson Verizal, you know, loved Wild Thing when he was the Cavaliers 
player, and that's one thing. Again, he's one of those players where it's like you love him when he's on your team, you hate him when he's on the opposite team. Because I think he grabbed like four offensive rebounds in a two-minute stretch. Yeah, he won the game. And that's an, yeah, that's an emotional killer. You know, if you're sitting there going for balls, going for balls, those 50-50 balls, and none of them are going your way because you got that one player who's just out there busting his tail. You know, and the Cavaliers, we got one guy like that, and that's Tristan. And, I mean, Tristan did great on the offensive boards, but he did horrible on defensive rebounds. I'm glad you said that, too, about Tristan Thompson. And what did you say that? I said, I'm glad you said that about Tristan Thompson, too. Because he had a good game in the first half in that game. That dude was grabbed seven rebounds in the first half. You know how many rebounds he grabbed in the second half? My point exactly. We don't, none. <laughs> you grab none. None at all. A bit fat donut. And, and one thing he about really the Cavaliers, he started off hot. They stopped going to him. Richard Jefferson doing what he can. I like what I'm getting for Richard Jefferson. Yeah, he only scored three points. He's getting you defense. I still didn't see hardly no Shannon Fry that game like oh, I wanted to. When are we going to see Mo Williams? You got Mo Gotti on the bench. I mean, I mean, he's a defensive liability. He's no better than Kyrie on defense. He's hot. He can he can shoot the ball. I'm look. I want to see Dante Jones come in the game and show Clay Thompson who saw. That's what I want to see. The enforcer. Tyron Lue has his rotation. Tyron Lue has his rotation. You know how certain coaches are when it's like they certain players are great at game to game adjustments. Certain coaches are better at in game adjustments. Um. I unfortunately have not seen enough of Ty- Tyron Lue to say which one that he is. I think he's probably better, you know, post-mortem, like after the game, in-game, not very good with adjustments. Um, because, I mean, he only made the lineup change that he made because Kevin Love was out. I don't think he would have did anything different. And I think looking at the way that our rotations have been, looking at the way that our bench has looked, he feels no need to make the necessary adjustments that I think need to be made given the way that the team is playing. Because let's just face it, we're not going to get any sort of firepower out of our bench, at least not not to the capacity that Golden State can. And a lot of that has to do with the personnel, the people that we have on the team. We just don't have that many volume shooters like they do with most spades, you know, or Leandro Barbosa, and that's just two. You know, um, so why can't Sean we bring Livingston- J.R. Smith off the bench? Because <laughs> reasons. <laughs> who you gonna you know, if come off the bench? Who you gonna, who gonna give Jr. the ball? Delhi can barely get the ball over half court line now. You see what he do when he get the ball? As soon as he go over half court, he posting you up at the three point line. Come on, are you kidding me? But LeBron, LeBron, and you is, think uh, Mo is gonna be better? Mo, at least Mo can dribble and penetrate. LeBron play with the second unit though. He can give him the ball if if he. If Ty Lue stick to what he's been doing, which is taking LeBron out with well, well, about what, two minutes to go in the in the first, and then bringing him back with the second unit, if he bring him back with Jr., that there's your volume shooter right there. Um, the question is, go ahead, Ty. Nah, go ahead. You go ahead. I want to hear you guys say. I was going to say the question is, you know, um. How does he help the second unit? Again, you know, I would love to see J.R. Smith coming off the bench and just having having the opportunity to, to cut loose on that second unit. 
But the issue also comes with J.R. Smith is when we have him offensively, we might not have him defensively. And if he ends up hurting us defensively on a second unit, that is, yeah, okay. Defensively, let's be honest, Della Vadova is, is, is a nice defender. Um, RJ solid. JR can be hit or miss sometimes. Channing Fry has never been known for his great defense, but he's solid within a team defensive concept. Um, Mozgov is a great is is a pretty decent two way defensive center. Um, a little slow footed, uh, but what center isn't? Yeah, you know, and it's clear that you know Mozgov is twenty nine on the wrong side of thirty already. He can't catch. But, <laughs> yeah, he he can't catch. So. You know, uh, again, like I understand why Tyron Lue has him in, in the starting lineup, but that is to say the, the worst thing that we see with the Cavaliers is the minute all of our starters come out, that's typically the time where you see that lead kind of dwindle. That's why we have to jump out to those 15, 20-point leads and hoping that we can keep the bench in for those five-minute spans and not see Golden State blow us out of the water at that point. Right, because what you say, AC, about J.R. Smith, I'm looking at his stats. This dude got one rebound, game one, one rebound in game two, game three, four rebounds, game four, two rebounds. What else can you get be, be from him? If he can't shoot a three, nothing else is going. Nothing else is going. Like, what else can you get from him? He's, that's why that's why the Cavaliers be losing, like you said, rebounding. But when your two, when your two guards out there only averaging – uh, one and a half rebounds, and Clay Thompson is averaging three and a half. You're not getting no rebounds from J.R. Smith. I hate when everybody, I hate when they punch the ball out. Just grab the rebound and try to go back up with it. This dude is only averaging one and a half rebounds, one rebound per game. That is terrible, man. That is terrible from a two guard. Those two guards at least average three and a half rebounds. He swings around the perimeter. He's not in position to grab a rebound unless it's a long rebound. So, like I said, that has a lot to do with Jr.'s position on the court at that point in time. Like, he's looking for the shot. He's not looking to, to dive in there and go and crash the boards with everybody. And maybe that's the way the defense is set up. If Jr., all right, we all know how defenses work in transition. The last right. person back, furthest from the basket in transition, is supposed to do what? Score. No. So, Stop if we're ball. on offense, Stop I'm the ball. furthest person away from the basket. What am I supposed to do? Drop back and transition, right? Drop yeah, back. Drop back. Drop back. So he's not going to be there. <laughs> he's not going to be there to rebound. But one thing is, now you look at all the Warriors players, right? This is how cocky this team is. Clay and Steph shoot a three. Look at what Draymond Green does. Draymond Green already, already back on defense. They already know the ball is going in. So you got that much confidence in your shooter. We got confidence in our shooters too, but it's like as soon as they miss like two or three, they confidence is shot. They like they don't even want to shoot a three no more. They start doing other stuff. They start reaching the bag and finding other tricks that ain't working. <laughs> tricks that ain't there. Tricks that they don't have. <laughs> Coming up short. So I, I think in order for the Cavs to win tonight, they're going to need game four intensity on the defensive end especially. Focusing in on Clay and Steph. And I think everything else will fall into place. I think that defense can win them the game enough to where they get in the offensive flow based off of what they're doing on defense. Just on points. 
with a with a big three score twenty plus because when they score twenty plus they those are win. When they don't, they lose. So what's your guys' predictions for tonight? I think Kevin Love, if any night of the finals with Draymond Green out, he can get he can get a twenty. I think he's gonna have to come early. I don't know about later in the game where he's a defensive liability, but a, a early twenty, maybe fifteen, sixteen by the half, and then get two buckets later. He can get his 20 that way. The other, LeBron and Kyrie, on any given night, they can score 20. So I, I have faith that they'll do it. But Kevin Love got to do it early. So he got to do it early. I'm looking for okay. I'm looking for LeBron James. Might be sounding kind of crazy. I'm looking for LeBron James to have 37 points tonight, 14 rebounds, three blocks, two steals, and about 11 assists, Kyrie come back and score 26 points. I get Kevin Love 21 points, 11 boards. Now, I appreciate everything y'all are saying, but I'm going to put it this way. Kyrie and LeBron are going to get their buckets. I don't have any issue with that. Kevin Love, if he shows up, that's a plus, and I agree with you. If there was any night to show up, he has to seize the opportunity to make use of the fact that there is not a Draymond Green out there. He should feel like the bucket is wide open right now. Like, he should feel like he is shooting into Lake Erie. <laughs> because, I, I mean, Iguodala is going to be there. Iguodala is going to be there. But, at the same time, Iguodala is not Draymond. Iguodala is not Draymond. And... Kevin Love has the opportunity to explode tonight. But the thing that's going to matter most for me, again, it comes down to pace. If we have this game somewhere around 50 points, just above 50, not around 60, around halftime, we'll be in good shape. We will be in good shape. Whether or not we have the lead or whether or not we don't have the lead. Because once Golden State goes out there and starts to balloon everything, you know how it is with shooters. It is hard to take a shooter's confidence away after he sees a couple go down. You know, that everything's – Marcus, you were a shooter. You know that feeling. <laughs> everything, everything just feels like it's wide open. Three-point games, if we end up in that sort of rat race, it's a no-no. It is a no-no. We need to control the boards. We need to slow the ball down. But we need to move the ball in our half-court sets. And our shooters need to have at least five attempts apiece. If we can get uh, JR around five attempts, if we can get Shumpert, Delhi, Channing, definitely Love, at least around you know three to five attempts per, Kyrie's going to get his buckets. LeBron might be able to drop a couple. If our three ball is falling, we're a lot more dangerous. Has and, but we made have to a keep the ball movement to that. Hey, I'm looking forward to that. If LeBron James come out and have one of them historic quarters like he have, if he come out and give me a 16 first quarter, it's a wrap. Because now you're going to have Golden State guessing. You're going to see Steve Kerr on the sideline breaking more clipboards that he bought. So if I can, if I can see that, if you get, like they say, if Kevin Love gets started early, you feed him early, you you use Kevin Love inside out, not outside in. I say that all the time. I think um, 
on my YouTube channel. So, you know, subscribe to that if you're not following that. It's King23TAE. So hop on that, people, if you're listening out there. You've got to work Kevin Love inside out. And look for that Minnesota Timberwolves Kevin Love. You're not going to find that Minnesota Timberwolves Kevin Love just because the team that he was playing on. You have a team out with elite players on you. The team that Minnesota he was playing on was pretty much C and D players. Now you got to do all-star Olympic gold medal point guard. Superstar Olympic gold medal. So you get a different stuff from different guys. So, so like I said, work Kevin Love inside out. Like I said, I'm looking forward from LeBron James. I'm looking for him to have about 12 points early. early. I agree. Early offense is going to be a big thing. That set the tone for everything. When Kyrie came out in the last game in, in game three, had 16 in the first quarter, had everybody on skates at that point in time. Because now that's where the defense is going to draw their attention. It's like, this guy's cooking us. We got to stop him. Which means now that you're focusing on me, that's superstar gravity right there. That's why we like going to ISO plays. Because defense has to focus its attention on me. I'll open up everything else to you. And that's really what the, what the Cavaliers offense is predicated on. So if that happens with Kyrie, if that happens with LeBron and one of them, or, you know, let's say both of them, has a great first quarter, comes out and, and sets the tone, somebody sets the tone offensively, that definitely ups our chances. Um, again, offense is going to be key, but limiting those second-chance points, limiting those 50-50 balls, communicating on the switches if we decide to switch, uh, which uh, we've been doing way too much, especially, unfortunately, when we're switching our, our, our power forward. Tristan <laughs> times our power forwards and our centers. That's definitely um, yeah, yeah, but that all comes to communication. The Cavaliers, uh, to me, what you said, I'm not a bit to cut you off, the Cavaliers doesn't talk enough on defense. They don't talk too much on defense. It seems like they point a lot. Where are you pointing to? Talk. You got to communicate. There's no communication. Hey, you know, it's every time a back he used to do the whole hack shack. He would sub in a player who was only good for five fouls. That was the only reason that he had that player in the game. You know, wasn't trying to have him foul out. Just go in there, rough him up a little bit, take a couple calls, send him to the free throw line, send your worst free throw shooter to the free throw line, and take advantage of it. So to think that it would be outside of the possibility that Golden State would, um, that not Golden State, the Cavaliers would just play um, Dante Jones to go out there and be an agitator, I mean, it... <laughs> If it gives us that competitive edge, then it's it's a possibility. But this is not the same NBA that it was 10 years ago, that it was 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when Phil Jackson, Jerry Sloan, um, Lenny Wilkins, and, and, and coaches of that caliber used to go out there and utilize that tactic in the same way. So I'm not necessarily sure that that's something that we're going to see again, even though I would I wouldn't mind seeing it. Um, I, I just don't think that's that's something that we're going to see. Now, not saying that they won't try to bait Draymond Green. They're definitely going to sell whatever Draymond Green does at that point in time. I just don't know if, now you if know that's Draymond explicitly really, what we're going to do. Now, you know, if that do happen, you know Draymond will retaliate. 
It's part of his nature. That's any right. man. That's any man nature. If, a man, if somebody come and hit you, you play basketball. Nine times ten, you're gonna hit them too, because you're not gonna you're not gonna sit there because you're gonna have to get suspended. You'll be a fool that's trying not to get suspended. But I can see it happening. It's a possibility, a strong possibility. All right. So what's your predictions for the night? Mm-hmm. You will you will hit us with one of this. <laughs> uh, I I'm gonna go at Oracle. Last time we beat them, we 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 won at Oracle by eight points. I'm gonna go. I said the Cavs won by two. It's gonna come out to the fourth quarter. They gonna have to dig deep. The last the last three minutes of the fourth quarter, I can see the Cavaliers taking one from them. We gotta win one day, floor to force a game six back home at the Q. You got Mark? All right. Uh, you want Mark or you want me to go? I, I go. So I got the Cavs taking a a close one. I'm, I'm going to say by uh, a buzzer beater. I'm going to say LeBron James carry, carries us to game six and hits a buzzer beater. We went by one point. I'm going to say wow. 98 to 97. Wow. Wow, you do that. I, you do that. I come home. I buy you a six pack of Coronas. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, man. No, being completely honest with you, I, I have been of the school of thought that close games against Golden State are very rarely winnable games. <clears throat> I mean, how many, first of all, how many times have Golden State been in the situation where it has been a close game? <coughs> and secondly, Too many times. And, and secondly, how often is it that you see offenses able to execute in the same capacity that Golden State does and, and those final two minutes of the fourth quarter? So with that being said, I think if we're going to win this game, it has to be it has to be like a legitimate victory like it has to be at least 10 points right it has to be at least 10 points I can smell a a Steph Curry injury coming early early second quarter oh he predicting down for the playoffs predicting injuries which one <laughs> which one the shoulder the knee the ankle which I one can, I can see more of him of the of the shoulder Somebody keep bumping that shoulder. The knee is already messed up. I, if he take a wrong fall, I can see the knee, but I'm going to go more shooting shoulder. I'm going with an injury. So what happens if Clay decides to go Vinny Microwave Johnson and drop 45 with 21 coming in a quarter? I don't like see Clay. has done for. Out of all of them, Clay's the most streakiest shooter out of them two. Uh, I don't see him doing that because he's he's due for a game. He's gonna be off. If this game is off, this uh, this might be the one he might be off. But uh, realistically, them guys play good at home. I'm not gonna lie. They 73 now for a reason. Uh, it's a tonight. The Cavaliers game five is their game seven. Their game six will be their game. <laughs> Either way it go, man. We still got we got to play at 120. percent We can't play at no 89, 95. 95 gonna cut against a team that that's gonna keep coming at you. 
All right, so I'm I'm just going to throw this out here right now. Um, regardless of what happens tonight, especially if we lose, I don't want us to talk about this right now. But again, I just want to throw it out there. If we lose tonight, <clears throat> is love gone in the offseason? You don't have to answer that. Just think about it. Like Joe Budden, all love lost. I think it's a possibility. But, again, like you said, game five is our game seven. Game six is our game seven. And game seven is our last shot. I, I, I honestly say if we, don't, if we don't get a victory, if we don't win a championship, I, I, think, I think management goes to make a drastic move. I think if management doesn't go to make a drastic move, LeBron forces a drastic move. I can see this happening. I can see Kevin Love leaving. But I'm be honest with you. I can see Chumper going too. <laughs> Alright, so I, if we lose, I think it's gonna be a shake. If we if we win tonight, I want to really bad guarantee, but I'm not really there yet. But it's gonna be a game seven if we win tonight. I got another one for you. This is my last one, I'm gonna be done with let y'all talk. Win or lose, Kevin Love, Kevin Love is gone. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll, we'll close it out on that then. So uh, y'all enjoy the game tonight. I know we'll be uh, group chatting. Everybody stay all in if you're a Cavs fan. If not, uh, still listen to our podcast, but <laughs> we want the Cavs to win. Yeah, and um, just one thing to chime in. We're all native Clevelanders, so obviously we have a bias as far as the Cavaliers are concerned. If anybody wants to understand why Clevelanders really take the sports the way that we have, watch that 30 for 30 movie. I have never... I have never watched something and said, that's exactly my city. That's exactly who we are, like, through and through. Like, reliving it, though. Like, why does it make some on the mound? Get them off. <laughs> right. So, little, little LeBron says, oh, we're going to get you on the mound. Let's get the dub there. Happy watching. <laughs> All right. Funny story, man, when I see you.